Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 20, the big two zero of the Midnight Snacks with Kyle podcast. Once again, joined by friend of the program, Sean Scott, because there's a big football game going on this weekend. Not sure if you've heard of it. Down Tampa Bay, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, Super Bowl 55. Should be a good one. We're going to break that down really quick. And Sean, let's cut right to it. Who do you think is winning this team? I mean, I'll have to go with the the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I understand that this is technically a home game for Tampa Bay. Uh, No team's ever played the Super Bowl in their home stadium, but really, really hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes, who is probably, if not already, at least one day going to be the greatest quarterback to have ever walked the face of the planet Earth. I mean, the, the things he can do with the football, I'm not talking about number of statistics and, and team achievements, because obviously Brady's got that with all the Super Bowls he won with the Patriots, but the actual talent that Mahomes has is so crazy. I, I cannot pick against him. I think it's going to be a repeat, just like how they won last year. I think they're going to win this year. And we're on the same wavelength there. I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes. I had you on at the beginning of the playoffs. I think you took the Chiefs. I took the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl all the way back at the beginning of January. I'm not going to change now because they've looked exactly how I thought they would look. Absolutely dismantled a Bills team that I thought was one of the two or three best teams in football. Just took it to them in the AFC Championship game. I know there's some injuries. Uh, Mitchell or Eric Fisher, the left tackle, he's going to be out for the game. That could have an impact, especially with how good Tampa Bay's pass rush looked against Green Bay in the NFC Championship. But I'm not picking against that team. Like you said, Brady, he's the GOAT when it comes to championships. I don't know if that'll ever be topped, but Mahomes certainly looks like one of the only guys that has a chance to. And when it comes to arm talent, he's miles ahead of where Brady was at this point in his career with throwing a football. Brady's great for other reasons, you know, being super smart, a great leader, wins, comes through in the clutch all the time. But Mahomes, that arm is just, there's nothing like it in the sport right now. And I'm not betting against it at the most important position. So like you, I think the Chiefs are going to go back to back. Interestingly enough, you talked about Tampa Bay hosting the Super Bowl, playing the Super Bowl, first team to ever do that. I don't know how much of an advantage that's going to be. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of fans anyway, but even if there were fans, I'm not sure how much of an advantage that would really be. It almost seems like a bit of a, it lulls you to sleep a little bit, a false sense of security playing in front of a home crowd. There's a lot more pressure on you there. Not so much this year with the limited attendance, but not that Tom Brady's going to be impacted by that kind of thing, but I don't think there's going to be some big home field advantage from playing a game this big on your home field. If anything, I think it would just lead to more pressure, but with limited attendance, I think that's a negligible impact on this one. Yeah, I have to agree. And, and I mean, you also have to realize in most years, there's still not that many tickets for, you know, the teams in the Super Bowl to begin with. So, you know, even if this was in a non-pandemic year, Tampa Bay would still only have, you know, a certain allotment of tickets for their season ticket holders and whatnot. So it's, it's, it's not like it's designed to be, you know, your typical week five hosting, you know, the Atlanta Falcons type of game where you've got the home crowd for you. You're going to have a lot of Chiefs fans, you know, you're going to have lots of people there anyways. That's not just purely for the Buccaneers. So, yeah, I, like you said, I, I don't see it playing too much of a difference even with limited uh, attendance. Yeah, and even with that, we already saw back at the beginning of December, I think, right at the end of November, Kansas City went down there and won a game anyway when it was a regular season home game with the the full crowd being behind you, if you will. I know that game got a little close down the stretch, and Tampa Bay has really turned into a new team since then. But 
Kansas City in that first quarter, what did Tyreek Hill have? 200 yards and three touchdowns or whatever it was in the first quarter alone. So Tampa Bay's going to have to have some answers. Yeah, Tampa Bay's going to have to have some answers for that. But to be honest, I don't think they will. I don't know about you, Sean, but I'm t- when it comes to MVP, that's the fun bet of the game. And to me, this year, almost, I guess this has been the trend for a while now, but almost more than ever this year, I think your best bet on MVP, sure, the value isn't particularly great, but it's just whichever team you think is going to win, bet on that quarterback. Because if the Chiefs win, I really don't see anyone besides Patrick Mahomes winning MVP. And if it's the Buccaneers, I guess if there's another great performance of the defensive line, they could give it to a defensive lineman like Pierre Paul or uh, Shaquille Barrett. But realistically, if Tom Brady goes out and wins the seventh Super Bowl, they're probably just going to give him Super Bowl MVP anyway if he's just above average at all. And that's what it's going to take to beat Mahomes. So I think that if you want an MVP, bet on the quarterback. What, what do you think, Sean? Well, so the last time, or one of the last times you had me on, we were talking about the college football playoff national championship. And I know I talked to you during the game and after that, uh, I, that I thought that obviously the same kind of thing. Well, obviously MVP is going to be the quarterback of the winning side, pick a quarterback. And then Devonta Smith went out and won MVP in that game for Alabama. So I will probably be staying away from MVP bets in the Super Bowl, but I, I agree with your logic. It makes total sense that, you know, and this game feels to me like it's going to be a shootout and therefore that's going to favor offense even more because even if Tampa Bay wins, and even though, as we already said, we don't think that's going to happen, but it could, I mean, it's also hard to bet against Tom Brady. Um, it will still probably be an offensive game, you know, 33-30, 35-30, something like that. And so, Obviously, you would expect lots of passing yards, lots of passing touchdowns for the quarterbacks, and that's where it's going to be. The one thing I think that would be really interesting that could change things would be some kind of special teams touchdown. Um, You know, obviously, if there's some kind of jet sweep handoff to Tyreek Hill or something like that for the Chiefs, suddenly he could go off uh, and have a big game that stat-wise could look better than Mahomes. I know in the first game they played against the Buccaneers, he had something like 200 receiving yards in the first half. I mean, that's just eye-popping numbers where that almost looks more insane than 350 and three touchdowns from Mahomes. So that would be the only thing I would be leery of if I'm, if I'm a better, would be someone like Tyree Kill just going nuts as he can. Yeah, and I could see that happening, but I do think Tampa Bay will have a pretty concerted effort to take him away. And that defense has played so much better, especially with the young guys in the secondary. Uh, your guy from Auburn back there right? He'll probably get some matchups on Tyree Kill. So he, pro- he probably will. <laughs> he might be up for the challenge. We'll see. But that's what I'm thinking for MVP. Probably one of the quarterbacks, but you know, the value of there, obviously, like I think Mahomes is like minus 120. Brady's like plus 200. So not a lot of value, but you know, value is great until it doesn't happen. So there's a reason that I think that uh, a guy like Mahomes is minus 120. It's because, well, he's got the best chance of winning it by, in my opinion, a pretty wide margin, especially when I think the Chiefs are going to be winning the football game. But like we've talked about, Tampa Bay, very different team than what they were when they played back in the end of November, beginning of December, whatever it was, when they played back then and Kansas City came out and just blitzed them in the first half. The big difference for Tampa Bay has been the defense has really locked it down while the offense got it going at the end of the regular season, hasn't been great the last couple of playoff games, the defense really carried them in Green Bay and looked really good against the Saints. Do you think that Tampa Bay's defense is going to have enough to stop the Chiefs in this game and make it an exciting game, or do you think Kansas City starts to run away with it again? 
I think Tampa Bay could make this interesting, but I, I don't think I don't think the pass rush will make much of a difference. Patrick Mahomes is the kind of quarterback he he will just get the ball out quicker. It, it, it's not about you know, sure they're down a couple linemen, um, but that's kind of been the case. You mentioned Eric Fisher, but they've been they've been down a couple other guys for longer than that for about half the year now. They've missed I think left guard and another interior lineman, and they've been able to you know, patch things up and, and work around that issue because this is still a great Chiefs offense. It, it's not – Mahomes is not the type of quarterback that needs to stay in the pocket for three, four, five, six seconds to have success. He will throw on the run. He will get it out quick. They have those, you know, those quick screens to guys like Tyreek Hill. They will use their speed effectively. And so, I, I like you said, I, I think Mahomes and this Chiefs offense is too dangerous, and I think they will eventually pull away late. Yeah, and we saw it last year. It was a similar type of story where it was a, a San Francisco defense that was so strong with that front four with guys like Nick Bosa on the edge. And they had a lot of trouble with it for three quarters. But we saw it in, like, the NFL turning point play where they called Wasp to Tyreek Hill 50 yards down the field. All they need is that one play where the protection holds up for three to four seconds, and that's the big play they need. They'll do enough the rest of the game to hang around do enough on offense where if they get time for just one or two big plays in a big spot, that's more than enough for that team to go win a football game. We've seen it all of last year, all of this year, even Mahomes' rookie year. It's been his entire career, especially in the big games, it feels like. You make one mistake against this team, and it costs you. And the other thing we've seen with Kansas City is that if you're going to play Kansas City, you need to go up by, what, 20 points to feel comfortable and then some in the fourth Yeah, I don't, I don't even think that's enough. Yeah, it, they just go behind by 20 points, 10, 20 points for fun every game at this point. Like, Buffalo was up, what, 9 nothing mm-hmm. in that game early in the first quarter after the muffed punt from Hill. And then next thing you know, the Chiefs are up by a solid 12 at halftime. That's with Buffalo taking points at the end of the half. That could have been a 15-point game at the half when it was 9 nothing five minutes into the game. It just – it turns on a dime like that. It's happened the entire career. And it, it's plays like that and games like that where I just refuse to bet against this team, no matter how good of a defense they're facing or what quarterbacks on the other sideline, because quite frankly, I've never seen a team do it this consistently. Like you see a double digit lead and it doesn't phase you at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I think back to a couple of years ago in the playoffs, they played the Texans and the Texans went up 24, nothing. And everyone was so perplexed. And then sure enough, the chiefs acted as if it was zero, zero still. And they rolled from that point forward and they won. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's why I say that Mahomes is probably going to be the greatest quarterback that has ever graced planet Earth because of the things he can do. He's not phased by any kind of deficit. He'll make any type of throw possible. It's it's unreal what this guy can do. And he's still so, so early in his career, too. Yeah, and you talked about that Texans game. That was uh, the weekend I went back up to school last semester, which, funnily enough, is going to be this weekend this year. But they were playing the Saturday afternoon game at like four o'clock. Uh, my roommate, or no, I guess it was Sunday, I think. I don't really remember which day it was, but either way, um, my roommates wanted to go out to the store really quick and just get some food for the semester because we were living in a dorm. So we weren't going to have like a kitchen or a car on campus. So we got an Uber uh, right as the Chiefs were fumbling the kickoff or muffing the kickoff, whatever happened. And Houston went up 24 nothing, like as we were walking out of our building with 12 minutes to go in the half. And by the time we got out of the Uber at the grocery store, which was like 20 minutes away, if that, uh, it was 24 to 14 
and by the time we were even like halfway done shopping, the, the Chiefs were back in front. And it just – it's a joke what this team does. Like, I figured, okay, we'll go in the second quarter. I'll be back to see the ending if they make a comeback. And if they don't make a comeback, I'm not going to miss much. And I missed the entire comeback, including halftime. It's just <laughs> ridiculous how fast they do it. I figured 24 points, they're going to come back. I got like an hour before they really – it's going to be a one-score game when I get back. By the time I got back, Chiefs were already up 11. It's unreal. So that's our piece on the Chiefs there. I mean – if you want to beat the Chiefs, I guess you got to be up 30 with five minutes to go, and then maybe you can start to feel comfortable. But we'll see. Yeah. With that offense, I don't know how you're getting a 30-point lead to begin with. So who knows? No lead's too big for that team. And even last year, I think it was 10 points in the last 10 minutes they ended up going on. They won by 11, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. they just turned games around. I know that game got a little weird because San Francisco started going for it on fourth downs. They went behind and – you got different aggressiveness, but either way, it's just no lead safe against that team. And that's why you can't bet against them. I'm with you on the Mahomes thing. I think he'll be the greatest quarterback when it's all said and done, just because there's no one doing this. There's no one that's done this with the kind of arm talent he has. It's not just a great team. It's a great team because he can throw a 60 yard bomb to whoever he wants, whenever he wants, it feels like. And he just kind of gets bored in the first quarter. Sometimes I know it's not that simple, but that's what it feels like. So I'll be taking the chiefs. Uh, Sean, I know you're a bit of a betting guy. Besides MVP, I know you said you're staying away from that one. Any good bets you're looking out for on the prop market? Well, as I said, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. So I'm looking at a lot of the offensive stuff. I, you know, Tyreek Hill, you said they think you think they'll contain him. I am not so sure. Uh, I believe it's over 91.5 receiving yards. I'm a fan of that. Um, Mahomes, over 40.5 pass attempts. I think he's going to be slinging the ball a lot. Um, if there's something on the Buck side, I think it's probably more rushing yards than the Chiefs just because Tampa Bay is a little more committed to the more traditional, like, run-run-pass type of play scheme, whereas the Chiefs say, you know, we'll just throw the ball every down, and we're cool with that. Which, I mean, for the analytics out there, analytic nerds, obviously passing is a little more valuable and more efficient. So there's, that's the reason why they do it. But in terms of the batting, I like the Bucks there. I, I probably won't hit some of these. But some of these are really, really interesting, the, the special stuff. Things at halftime, like will The weekend mention Canada? Will The weekend mention former President Trump, current President Biden? There's some really fascinating things as to like why they're, they're betting there. And something I hadn't thought about uh, when these props were announced a couple weeks ago when the matchup was set, but it's suddenly become a lot more relevant, is what will happen to the price of Bitcoin? Will it go up during the game or down? And obviously, as everyone knows, over the last week, with the volatility of the stock market now and certain stocks and uh, like GameStop and the rise of cryptocurrency like Dogecoin, that's a really, really interesting bet on what will happen to Bitcoin. I believe it is, will go up is at minus 160. Um, so I, I don't know. I might actually, might, might go in on that one. Yeah, that's the one you're probably gonna have to wait till about right before kickoff to play just because who knows how it, like it's gonna be up or it's gonna be down. It's all peaks and valleys there. So who knows what that's going to be looking like until right around kickoffs when you probably have to make a decision on that one. Uh, you said that I think the Bucks are going to contain Tyreek Hill. And to an extent, yes, I do think the Bucks will contain Tyreek Hill. But I'm saying contain relative to a 200-yard first half where <laughs> I still think he easily eclipses 91. So I like that, that if that's the number that ends up being around, I do think he probably finishes with 100-plus yards. Just it's still significantly less than – 
you know, two to 300 receiving yards. So progress from the Buccaneers, I don't think it's enough. And I do think that they will try to take him away. And I don't think the Chiefs will mind too much if they can just hammer the ball to Travis Kelsey for 10 to 15 catches, which might be the next logical progression. I do like the, uh, the Mahomes over 40, 41 passing attempts. I do think this is a team that wants to throw the ball. I think that they're going to try to find weaknesses there. And they don't really have much of a run game going right now. Le'Veon Bell hasn't been great. Edwards Alaire, he came back in the AFC Championship game, didn't do a whole lot in that one. And that was when you were looking at him to maybe be that explosiveness to bring that run game back that we saw a little bit earlier in the year. They've really gone away from the run game, and it's worked seemingly perfectly fine. So I don't see them changing that game plan. So I, I do tend to like those bets. And like you said, with Tampa Bay, wanting to run the ball, I do think they'll be a bit more committed to the run, especially because if nothing else, it keeps Mahomes off the field, which seemingly is the best possible way to beat him. Give him the least amount of chance to score points, and he can't score 50 on you. Hopefully that's the goal if you're a, a Buccaneers coach. But I don't really love either bet there because Fournette, Jones, they've been a bit of a platoon, so it's always a little bit weird about who's the hot hand that day. So that's a bit interesting. Uh, have you looked into that at all about who's going to be the hotter of the two running backs or who's got the better odds, Fournette, Jones? You know, yeah, like you said, they, they kind of go with who is hot that day. Um, so in terms of the actual rushing production, I'm not exactly sure who will be more favored. That's why I like, there is a bet out there for team rushing yards. Um, so that's why I like, I think you can rely on the team, but any one player, not so sure. The only thing from the running back position I like is I believe it's Fournette over two and a half catches. Um, and it's because Ronald Jones has had a finger injury recently. They, they do not trust him in the past game. So, you know, if, and Brady, as we've all seen over the last 20 years or however long he's been playing now, loves the check down to running backs. And so I, I think two and a half catches for Fournette's pretty good. Um, at, but like you said, in terms of just pure rushing yards by a certain Tampa Bay running back, I, I don't know. It's too hard to tell. The other bet I will throw out there I think is really interesting because I think you can get some really – like we said earlier, I think you kind of touched on it. The line on this game is right, – right now it's minus three for Kansas City. Not sure if there's a lot of great value on that, but I think potentially we could have a situation like last year where Kansas City scores late to make it a two-score game. And so alternate lines like minus 9.5, minus 10.5, that's where I think you can get good value on Kansas City. Because I know last year I bet, I believe, on minus 10.5. And, and so I was pretty, pretty happy when they got that late touchdown to beat, uh, beat San Francisco by 11. So that's something else to look out for is the alternate line. Okay, good insight there from Sean. And I know you've talked about shootouts. That, uh, you Totals 56 from what I've seen right around there. So are you going to be a little bit more leaning towards the over in this one? Like I said, I, I do think this is going to be more of an offensive shootout than anything. Obviously, you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, we could have a Super Bowl a couple years ago where it's 13-3. to three. Hopefully, for our sake, that's not the case because I, I want to see the higher scoring game. Um, yeah, if I had to put it on something, I probably would put it on the over. I, I might stay away from it just in general, because I think there's better value elsewhere, better use for my dollars. Um, but yeah, and I, I mean, as they say, life's too short to bet the under. So I, I would not bet the under in this game, if anything. Life is most definitely too short to bet the under. We saw that in the college national championship game. Well, yeah. depending on what line you had, because I think they finished at 76. and I think the line closed a little above 76. But if you got in early, like, you know, I was telling you, 
hammer the over from day one before they even had lines out. And I waited about until uh, I think the fourth or the fifth to bet, maybe even the seventh. So about like four or five, a week before the game, but uh, about a week after the championship game or the semifinal games, I got it at 75 and a half. So I, I covered, but it was close because they just did score for the last 10 minutes. So there's always that concern. I don't think it'll be a blowout. So I do think someone will score in the last couple of minutes. And that's where that alternate line play comes in. Definitely seems like there could be some very good value there with uh, Kansas City stretching it into a multi-score game late. Some other value that I've looked at, I don't know if you can bet this at all. I haven't looked this deeply into the props yet. You talked about the weekend halftime show bets. I don't know what you can really bet on the national anthem besides the over-under on time, but I believe it's Eric Church this year, the country singer. And the rumors that I've been hearing as a North Carolina fan, I'm on North Carolina Twitter, there's some rumors that Eric Church, he's a North Carolina fan, and apparently the rumors are that he's going to be out there repping North Carolina gear. I have no idea if you can get that bet. But if you can, (laughs) from what I've heard, it seems like, yes, he's going to rep some North Carolina gear. Might be worth your time. But I, I doubt that's an option. That seems like more of a halftime show type of bet. I don't think he's going to be on the halftime show at all. So probably just wasting your time here. But just keep an eye out for it, you know, just in your head, you know. Think about what you would have bet there. Because from what I've heard, it's yes. And from what I've heard, I don't have a source. But I'm willing uh, – the Gatorade bet, I would bet orange. Because Kansas City was – Oh, orange. okay. Was, were they orange last year? Is that uh, – yeah, I believe it was orange last year, which I think is yeah. part of the reason why it's the favorite this yeah, year. They're going to go with it again. Oh, they're so going to go back win. to it. Yeah, can't ri- can't risk yeah. changing your Gatorade up. That's that's bad jigs right there. True, true. That is very true. You don't want that superstition. Not not on the biggest game of the year. No. Um, I, I will put you on the spot though here, Kylie. I, I have seen a prop just now, and this one's pretty interesting. Obviously, everyone knows about over under on the national anthem, but you know that, that's at this point that's kind of boring. There's this bet. Will any scoring drive take less time than it takes for the national anthem to be sung? Yes, minus 290, and no, plus 190. So I'm assuming this is in game time, correct? Not like real time with actual minutes. Correct. It, it, it's okay. the, the length of the drive, you know, 145, so, 215. So we're, so we're assuming that this is going to be what? Like a scoring drive of about like a minute 30, a minute 45 to be under? See, yeah, that's a fascinating thing is you have to think about how long do you think the anthem goes, but also yeah. – how long do you, or how quick do you think a team is going to score? Uh, see, that one to me comes down to turnovers. Because if you can get an interception down to the 10, you know, you're probably scoring in a minute. But if you don't, it gets a little, a little sketchy. I think both offenses are fast. I don't, it, I feel like if there's going to be that kind of drive, it's going to be later in the game or right at halftime when they're in hurry up mode. And I'm not sure either team is going to be in super hurry up mode all game. And I don't know how many big plays there's going to be. Just because the Super Bowl, it's always a little tense, more tense than just a regular football game. Even the conference championship games, there's never that, there's not that feeling out process you see in the Super Bowl with the two weeks of hype and the media week, all that. So I would have to say uh, no, I guess would be my answer. I think that the anthem runs lower than any scoring drive in this game. I think that most scoring drives are going to be at least two minutes plus. I think the anthem goes around 145 in that ballpark. So I'd say the anthem is the shorter of the two. All right. Yeah. I mean, as I, yeah, look, I mean, with the line of being for yes at minus 290, it's hard to see much value there because I, I agree that it's most certainly possible. Most certainly possible you have a 35 second scoring drive because they just go first play, let's go deep to Tyreek or Kelsey and boom, it's a touchdown. 
And you obviously always, always have to worry about two-minute drives between the quick Chiefs offense and obviously the smart, knows how to work the clock, Brady. So I think it's very, very possible that yes is correct where there's like a 45, 50-second scoring drive. But I probably wouldn't bet it because it's just not, not enough return on value there. You'd be sweating it out way too much. And I'm assuming this includes field goals as well, right? Yes, it's any scoring okay. drive. So obviously, you know, that makes again, it a little yeah. more interesting because exactly because right at the again, end of the half, get... getting a field goal that could be a forty-second drive. Oh, very easily. Yeah, I know. It, it's a very it's a very interesting prop bet, which is why I decided I was going to raise this to you right now. That, that one, that, you got me on the fence on that one. I'd probably say no, but I'd say that your best bet, if you're betting yes, would be to either hope for a lot of turnovers and some short fields, or hope that Kansas City gets the ball right before the half. And I don't know. I don't think whoever gets the ball in the second half would impact it. I think they'd want points either way. Yeah. And they throw a couple quick outs. They have maybe a timeout left. And Harrison Bucker comes out for like a 55-yard field goal after a 25-second drive where they go about 30 yards. I think that's probably your best bet. Maybe something right at the end of the game. But I feel like in Super Bowls, you don't see a ton of drives that take a minute and a half. I feel like usually a team gets the ball back with like two or three minutes left, and that's kind of their last chance and it takes the full time. And I feel like also in this game, even if Kansas City does hit that big play, they're not going to necessarily go into super hurry-up mode where if they throw a 50-yard pass to Hill down to the 20, they might run the ball and then throw a pass, and it might not be a two-play drive. And once you're getting above two plays in the non-hurry-up, you're probably out. So you're really hoping for hurry-up there. So I would still go no. And like you said, not great value. No. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our, uh, our Super Bowl preview, Super Bowl 55. Pretty crazy that it's uh, already 55 of these. I feel like Super Bowl 50 was just, you know, I guess it was only five years ago, but it feels like <laughs> more recent than that. Yeah. Um, time's flying by. And, uh, Sean, I know you got the Chiefs. I've got the Chiefs. I'm probably going to go Chiefs 34 to 24. It's probably what I'm going to end up going with in this one. So that would be 58. So I think that's technically the over. But again, too close to really play it, in my opinion. But I do think the Chiefs cover the minus three. I think depending on the alternate line you get, definitely worthwhile. I think they win by 10, 11 points, similar to last year. Uh, Chiefs, 34. Uh, Buccaneers, 24. I almost said Pats there. Yikes. Uh, Yeah, so the Chiefs, they bring home their second straight Super Bowl, third in franchise history. Uh, Super Bowl four, 54 and 55. And they really start to kickstart what's becoming – the new version of the modern dynasty that we saw New England have for so long in the AFC. And moving on from football, we're sitting down to record this on Friday afternoon. It's about four o'clock, four thirty, and uh, some pretty big baseball news. Uh, this uh, one pitcher, Trevor Bauer, you know, this random guy won a Cy Young, <laughs> uh, decided to sign a uh, three-year contract with the Dodgers today for well, it's basically a two-year deal. He's going to opt out after year two if he doesn't opt out after year one. Uh, 40 million in year one, 45 million in year two, and then I think it's about 17 in year three for a total of 102. But for those first two years, he's going to be the highest paid player in major league history, which, you know, you're thinking, okay, Cy Young on the free agent market makes sense. But then you have to realize that this was very much a one-off year for Mr. Bauer. Not that he's a, a complete trash pitcher, you know, he's not, he's a good pitcher, but he's always been a good pitcher, not best pitcher in baseball, not most paid player in baseball history. I know for agent market, that changes things completely. It doesn't mean you're the best if you get the highest contract, but certainly a ton of money for a guy that has not had the track record of other aces in the past. And 
there's certainly question marks from a lot of people in the baseball world about whether he'll be able to replicate last year's performance when he made, I think, just 11 or 12 starts in a 60-game season. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting you bring up the fact that he's cashing in off of last season, but last season's not the typical 162 grind where things feel a lot more earned in terms of the award winners. Like you said, sure, yes, he's a National League Cy Young winner now, but you have to really wonder what is this going to – going to mean for the Dodgers in the in the future uh, it's a lot of money to pay and you know kudos to him for for securing the bag and, and all that but I I have some of the same questions you have and you know he's joined the Dodgers that that's the the bottom line but the rumors were swirling for quite a while that he was going to join your team Kylie the New York Mets and suddenly last minute poof that's gone what, what are your thoughts about that yeah, well, I woke up Wednesday uh, and was kind of just, whatever reason, like was thinking about the Mets while I was scrolling through Twitter. And uh, I was like, all right, well, they'll probably go out, sign, you know, Jake Odorizzi or a, a back-end type starter to be a little bit more than depth, be more of a four or five guy to round out the rotation through June, July, when Syndergaard comes back from Tommy John. You already have DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco at the top. They don't really need an ace. But once the battle rumors start flying, it's like, well, <laughs> they're going to give me four and a half aces when Syndergaard comes back, depending on what, how he becomes. And you're going to give me the best rotation on paper in baseball, assuming everyone stays healthy. Very appealing. But at the same time, $40 million is what it probably would have been. I know the Mets offered him more money. I'm assuming most of that was year three. Because from what I've heard, the Dodgers offered more up front. The Mets had about $5 million more total. So I'm assuming most of that was on the back end. And he's going to opt out anyway, so he doesn't really care about that. But he did turn down less money to go to the Dodgers. I'm disappointed a little bit just because I had talked myself into super rotation. But most of the offseason, I wasn't expecting Trevor Bauer, especially at that price tag, because the Mets, there's been mixed reports on going over the luxury tax. If they would do it, won't do it. I think they would for the right guy, and they were definitely willing to for Bauer. But I don't think they're necessarily disappointed to stay under it. It also gives them a lot of more flexibility. They've got Lindor as a free agent. They just got him. They need to extend him. Conforto's going to be a free agent. Syndergaard's going to be a free agent. Stroman's going to be a free agent. So they've got plenty of money that they need to tie up in-house. If they go that direction, I won't be upset. And they still have plenty of holes on the team that they need to fill. They don't love J.D. Davis at third base as a defensive third baseman. They like his right-handed bat, of course. It's a very left-handed lineup. But they, need, they probably want to address that still from what I've seen, and they don't have a defensive center fielder right now. Brandon Nimmo is one of the worst defensive center fielders in baseball, if not the worst. He needs to go play left field. Dom Smith needs to go play first base. Pete needs to go DH. But if there's no DH, then you're kind of looking like Dom and left and Brandon Nimmo in center, and it's just an awful defensive alignment there because Dom Smith is a first baseman, not an outfielder. But if this means the Mets pivot, go get a defensive center fielder, potentially – the Chris Bryant rumors have been there. I don't know if that'll happen. Potentially go make a move like that at third base, sign a back-end starter like an Odorizzi type, who's better than a back-end starter but would be a back-end starter on this team. I wouldn't be overly disappointed. If anything, I'm just really disappointed that uh, every major reporter and Bauer himself just trolled me for 24 hours and went to the day of my life. But other than that, a little disappointed, but realistically, it's not a big deal, especially when I think he's a pretty trash person with how he's handled himself on social media in the past. Plenty of character concerns coming to New York. Not going to miss that. 
it's a lot of money. I do think he'll be a pretty good pitcher. I don't know if he's going to be that good again, but I'm not overly disappointed. I think the Dodgers, that rotation's a joke now, so good luck, Padres in the NL West. And yeah. whoever runs into them in a playoff series, that'll be scary. But I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. The Mets seem to worry about taking care of their own guys and getting into the playoffs first. Well, so it's interesting you mentioned the fact that you're not sure how good he will be with the Dodgers. Uh, you know, he's 30 years old now. He's going to start coming over the hill now. Um, but you mentioned that Dodgers rotation. He doesn't have to be super special NL Cy Young Award material again. You got Walker Bueller. You still got Kershaw, who we saw last season, still has enough in the tank probably to do what's needed. You got now Bauer, David Price, Julio Urias. Like, you, you've got stacked across that across the board. Like you said, I, man, the NL West is going to be insane. I saw a tweet shortly after this news broke about uh, the Dodgers and Padres could potentially set a record for most wins by two teams in one division, breaking the Mariners and Athletics of 2001. Because, I mean, outside of those two teams, NL West, uh, yeah, I, like you said, good luck competing against those two. Well, especially when the Rockies are just selling off what appears to be the entire team. Aaron Otto's gone. Who knows how long Trevor Story's going to be there because he's a free agent. They're not going to pay him. So they're a complete non-factor in my eyes. The Giants, they were a little better than I expected last year, but nowhere near San Diego or L.A. Like, that's still to me, I would expect the Dodgers and Padres to win 14 or 15 games if they play the regular 19 in your division. And the Diamondbacks also mediocre at best, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's two teams that I expect to just cakewalk through that division. But those six series against each other head-to-head should be much must-watch television and will likely decide who ends up taking the division. I still think the Dodgers have the Padres just because it's a little bit more experienced. They've obviously mm-hmm. been at the top of the division for a decade now. But it's also just how much ridiculous depth that rotation has. The Padres have a great rotation in their own right. But Tony Gonsolin, I think, is going to be the number six or number seven starter in L.A. Dustin May is going to be the six. It's just a joke when you get that far down the road. Like, they might be in the bullpen, but these guys might be a triple A next year when they could be a number two on at least half the teams in baseball, maybe a number one on a team like the Pirates that just have absolutely nothing. But – like Trevor Bauer is making 16 more million dollars than the entire Pirates roster right now for 2021. <laughs> so that's just, ugh, Pirates. Oh no, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. The the Dodgers they're the case of obviously having just too much money to spend. You, you did not have to spend 40 million to go add another ace in Trevor Bauer, but you know that's the name of the game in baseball. They're cornering the market and they are looking as dangerous as ever. Yeah, and I'd assume he uh, he stays opted in for year two when he makes $45 million and then opts out. But the Dodgers, they have plenty of flexibility as well with uh, their payroll. I think they uh, have like $100 million coming off the books this year, or it's down $200 million. Either way, hardly any money committed beyond this year. Now, they're going to have to lose some guys, of course. They're not going to be able to keep everybody. Like Corey Seager, this might be the end of Corey Seager's time in L.A. if – Bauer opts back in with a $45 million salary next year when Seager hits the open market. But, you know, who knows how the baseball free agent market shapes up. They're going to be able to get these guys back cheaper in February because that's what baseball does now. And it's hard to argue with the Dodgers with how much success they've had. And, you know, pitching wins championships. We've seen the Nationals do it. 
the Dodgers went that same route and said, hey, let's just throw in another ace. And the bats are significantly better than what Washington had that year. The, uh, the bullpen is significantly better than what the Nationals had that year. And now the rotation is every bit as good as what the Nationals had that year. It's still all about getting hot in October. But even if half that roster doesn't get hot, it probably won't matter unless another team is going 110% of what they're capable of because that roster, top to bottom, is just an absolute joke even before Bauer got there. And now he is there. If he has any kind of season that he had last year, I don't see anyone beating the Dodgers. Definitely not anytime soon early in the, you know, maybe the World Series, NLCS game seven type of thing. But think about who they're rolling out there every game of a best of seven. It's going to be Bueller games one and four, one and five, Kershaw two and five, two and six, Bauer three and six, and then throw someone else out there. You put them on short rest, whatever. Like you go with just those three or it's David Price pitching game four and the other guys get two games apiece. Like, good luck. No team's matching that depth in a rotation. They're just not. Yeah, exactly. You know, in the postseason, you can just bring some of those guys out of the bullpen. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's incredible. Obviously, baseball's a crazy sport, but hard, hard to bet against the Dodgers right now. Yeah, and it seems like the kind of thing, I know a lot of teams in the rotation, you're looking at guys to uh, be on a bit of an innings limit this year because last year guys didn't really get stretched out there wasn't a real spring training. Innings were down by about from 200, 220 to about like 70 for a lot of guys in that ballpark. So you're going to want to be careful with guys throwing too many innings this year. The Dodgers don't have to worry about that at all. You can just be like, hey, Trevor, we're going to scratch you for two or three starts here. And just, you know, we'll promote Dustin May out of the bullpen or wherever they're keeping him next year. Because we've yeah. seen Arias come out of the pen in the playoffs. Gonsolin can probably come out of the pen where it's like you just piggyback them together. They each throw three innings every fifth day. There are six innings from two starters, if you will, with even nastier stuff so they don't have to stretch it out for seven innings. It's just an embarrassment of riches in that rotation from a team that's had the best offense in baseball and one of the better bullpens in baseball. No weaknesses. It's just a matter of if Bauer can replicate it. And even if he doesn't, if he can pitch to like a three ERA, it's still just ridiculous depth to have. And the salary probably doesn't matter to the Dodgers. They're rich. They don't care. And as much as it might impact what they do next winter, it's a two-year contract. It's not going to have very long-term ramifications, even if he does stink, where you're kind of just on the hook for two bad years at that point. Not the end of the world for a team that has enough money to go over the luxury tax if they're willing to. One last thing on Bauer before uh, we wrap this episode up. Sean, I know you're a bit of a fan. I'm I don't even know if I'm a fan. It's so bad that I can't look away with from his music. But Trevor Bauer, if you haven't heard his music, it's on Spotify. I, do you look it up by Trevor Bauer or is it the song title? I, I just looked it up by the, the song title, Across Time and Space. And then his other one also shows up there. Um, but if you want to go by band name, it is Consummate Foresight. In case anyone else wants to hear this music, just to judge for yourself I, yeah like i said I, I i mean i don't know if i'm a fan i mean it, yeah it's it's so bad it's kind of good kind of yeah. not I, I don't know it's very hard i think everyone should take at least a listen though once yeah we'll uh, we'll link that down in the description of the the episode so check that out i can't play it because i mean not that i'm gonna i don't think i'll get copyright striked or anything <laughs> but i don't really want to risk it because trevor bauer you know if, if you make him mad on social media he's just gonna tweet at you like 500 times and be like hey, why aren't you responding to me? And I'm like, well, because 
I don't feel like it, Trevor. It, your music stinks. And I would say that to your face. And I feel <laughs> like he would probably agree with me. And if he thinks this is good music, he's lying to himself. It is, it's painful. But it's so painful, it kind of works in a really awful way. But, you know, I know, Sean, you were sad that he's not going to the Angels because uh, Across Time and Space, that's one of the lyrics in there. It has to do with uh, being an angel or his, his lover being an angel. I don't know. I've only really listened to the 40-second clip on Twitter, so I haven't heard the song start to finish. <laughs> there's some kind of story there. Yeah, I think this was from, like, his high school days or maybe his UCLA college days. Can't really tell, but. Yeah, well, I, I mean, he, he dabbles in music because if you also search hard enough on the internet, apparently he, he made a track back when he was on the Indians. He made a track when he, like, first was traded away from the Diamondbacks that he, like, just – threw all his teammates under the bus so i mean he whenever he he's in the mood he will give you some music and so look all i'll say is that good for him he has a fallback plan he's got a second career once baseball's done you can't pitch until you're 70 so he can just go right on into music full time after that yeah you know it's better than uh, like jose canseco going in to fight people on barstool sports <laughs> apparently that's happening tonight i don't know i don't really pay attention to that but i guess he's in like the barstool like rough and rowdy fight club thing trevor bauer i mean maybe that's an option for him down the road honestly i wouldn't be overly surprised to be honest to see him in some sort of like celebrity boxing match in 15 years i feel like that would suit him pretty well he's got the whole i, I, yeah, I would pay to see that too i would pay yeah. to see that too like, I could see Trevor Bauer, like, trying to, like, promote his own fighting brand, kind of like Conor McGregor with, like, the Floyd thing, kind of going, like, that route. But, like, a Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor fight, like, Jake Paul versus Trevor Bauer. Let's do it. Who says no? I don't say yeah. it. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's, like, it's a tough one because I want to see it. But at the same time, I hate both of them so much, I don't want to see it at all. I, like, I don't – do I hate Trevor Bauer? It sounds like I'm just upset that he's not here, but it's like, I really just think that he's a, I'm not going to swear. No, I, mean, I am going to swear. I think he's a jackass. <laughs> to be honest, I think his Twitter has just been so awful all off season. And then he spent like two hours this afternoon, like, hey guys, here's Mets merch on my website. Ha ha, buy it. Are you excited for the season, Mets fans? LFGM. And then he's like, ha ha, I'm a Dodger now. And I'm like, oh, Why? Like, I know it's his thing, trolling's his thing. He got buzzed, but it's just, you're such a tool. You're not even, like, you had one good year, and it was just all off season. I wasn't really buying into the hype at all until, like, the last couple days. I'm, like, I never signed up for his newsletter like some people did. But the fact that it got turned into this much of a spectacle, and we're all going to have to do it again in two years probably when he opts out, just, oh, please, someone just sign him the first week of free agency so I don't have to listen to it for three months like I did this time. It's just, I can't take it. And he won the stupid best baseball Twitter, like tournament thing that like one of the MLB writers did. He doesn't even have the best Twitter on his own team. Well, at least when he was on the Reds, Amir Garrett had a better Twitter account than this tool. And he won best baseball Twitter account on all of Twitter. A travesty. I will take, I will die on that hill. Amir Garrett, better Twitter account than Trevor Bauer. It's not even close. Just, ugh. It's like, oh, he's so funny and roast baseball. Ugh, he's just, he's annoying. And he tries to read off the script in the reveal video, like I'm going to the Dodgers. Just, it's so, it's so forced. It's not conversational. And I'm not very conversational when I read off scripts either. So like, I know it's kind of hard, but it was like painful, painful. 
So yeah, not not a big fan of uh, the video where he's like, I'm super excited. I don't even I saw like the clip, but it's oh oh. Just I'm happy it's over more than anything, to be honest. And as a Mets fan, the a little bit disappointed that they didn't get the superstar rotation, but like go sign Jackie Bradley Jr. tomorrow and I'll be happy enough. It's fine. I know you like Jackie Bradley Jr. Sean. Go win a gold glove in center field, King. Go play center field for Jacob DeGrom, better pitcher than Trevor Bauer, even though you're making less money. But well, I like five million dollars, but you know, open market. It's, it's okay, Kyle. Breathe. It will all be okay. Right. It's the one it'll thing all... Brady did right. He got Jacob DeGrom on an absolute steal of a contract. It'll all be okay. Just wait till that first Dodgers Mets game against oh, Trevor Bauer. Oh, August. Oh, they play thanks. like twice in a week. And it's like they play like I think in New York first and like August twelfth or thirteenth, and then they're in LA like the twenty first. Just Let's wait till then. Hopefully, you know, J- JD Davis can field. take him yard or whatever. He'll get mad, and Trevor Bauer will chuck the baseball out of the stadium again. <laughs> you will have your revenge then, Kylie. It's okay. That's true. That's true. I can link those tweets too. You know, last time the Mets were in Cincinnati against Trevor Bauer, because obviously this year they didn't get the chance. Michael Conforto took him like 450 down the right field line in the first inning, and then J.D. Davis took him out to right in the sixth. So, you know, I can link those if you want for absolutely no reason. But, you know, let's, let's see that again. You know, I like, I like the guys on the Mets. Don't really like Trevor Bauer. Would have lived with it. Like, I wasn't going to be one of those fans that was just going to quit the Mets because they signed Trevor Bauer. Don't like the guy, but I've been a Mets fan before him. I'll be a Mets fan long after he's gone. Like, as much as I would be like, oh, I hate rooting for this guy, I wouldn't be able to get away from the Mets because I would have left a long time ago if that was the case when the Wilpons were in charge because I hated them as much as I've hated anybody in my life. Thank God those assholes are gone because they suck. <laughs> Actually, yesterday was uh, the one-year anniversary. Uh, we're recording this on Friday the 5th. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the Cohen sale falling through uh, back when we were oh. sitting there in uh, the Super Bowl class. And I was just – I was despondent. I was just so depressed. It was one of my lowest points. Um, got back from my one class, had about an hour break, checked my phone, and all I'm seeing is Steve Cohen's not buying the Mets anymore. I wanted to die. It was a dark day. And then they sold the team anyway, and I was like, thank God. Get out of my life forever, you pieces of garbage. Honestly, See, it, all, down, it all worked out. It did work out. It worked out amazingly. That's that. That wraps up the uh, the Super Bowl preview podcast. I think we're allowed to say that. I know they have all the copyright laws. I'm assuming we're allowed to call it the Super Bowl. Also, I don't think they're going to find out. I'm a pretty small podcast. It's, yeah, it's not my podcast. You do what you want. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll just hope it all works out there, too. But, yeah. So that's the big the game preview. preview. The big, the big game, game preview. <laughs> the 55th edition of this certain big game between two football teams. I'm taking the football team from Missouri. Sean's also taking the football team from Missouri. So not the football team from Florida, not the Florida men. Oh, we should call them that. That's a good nickname. The Florida men Buccaneers. Or just the Florida also, men. <laughs> also not, not the football team from Kansas. That, that's an important yeah, distinction. Yeah, no, they are from Missouri. <laughs> that's an important that distinction. I'm happy that they're not playing the Super Bowl in Arrowhead, that they're playing it in Tampa, though, because then I don't have to look at all the stupid parking lot cinematics where you can see uh, Kaufman in the background so I don't get PTSD to the World Series from that because that's still that's still trauma in my head because uh, my birthday was game two of that World Series so game one finished like two in the morning on the east coast so like 
five minutes before it became my birthday, Jerisa Amelia, a quick pitch to Alex Gordon, it just absolutely devastates me. And then just brutal, brutal time. So, yeah, that's that. Actually, I think Trevor Bauer pitched a World Series game on my birthday, too, now that I think about it. I don't happy know what thoughts, like Happy thoughts. 2016, the first World Series game in Wrigley in like 90 years on my birthday. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Cubs lost, I think. Or did they? I don't know. Did they win game two or three? I know they were down three to one. I don't remember which was the one, but I think it was game two that they won. Could be wrong. Yeah, I think the, I, I believe it was tied one one. Yeah, and then uh, they threw Kluber in game four, and I was like, "Ooh, that's kind of a yikes!" Now the Cubs have better pitching the rest of the way. And then what do you know? The Cubs won all three games. So. Yeah, but honestly, I'd be cool with a, a fun seven-game World Series again. I was pretty sad the Rays didn't make it a seven-game World Series because game seven of the World Series would have been my birthday, and I would have enjoyed that. And it should have been the Mets, and then the Mets were terrible this year. So exactly. <laughs> the prophecy wasn't fulfilled. That's just because they're going to win this year. Hopefully, we can get fans back in the stadium at some point. Hopefully, it's by the time the Dodgers come to town. Even if it's like 10% attendance, I will do whatever it takes to get a ticket. Granted, he's going to duck us. He's not going to pitch in New York. I guarantee you. He won't. He won't do it. Just like when the Dodgers came to a city field in the playoffs and Chase Utley hit in the dugout the whole time because he was scared. He didn't, he didn't want to face the crowd. He didn't want the smoke. Trevor Bauer doesn't want the smoke, people. And I know uh, Chase Utley came back, like, the next year and, like, hit, like, a bases-clearing triple in the ninth inning, and then Granderson walked it off in the bottom of the inning. But, like, I don't care. He hit not him for two games. And then not uh, important. Terry Collins' ass and the jackpot, that whole thing. Great moment. It all worked out. That's the theme. Everything just works out here. It's all going to work out. We're playing the happiness. long games. You're playing all the long game. Exactly. Long game. Also, you know, a random third base target from the Mets. I'm completely off the rails here. But uh, my favorite baseball player when I was eight, besides the guys on the Mets, was Kyle Seager. Because he was absolutely yes. in North Carolina. So I've always loved him ever since. You know, uh, Corey Seager is Kyle's brother, not the other way around. Don't get that twisted. But if the Mets want to go get Kyle Seager, you know, that's cool. I can roll with that. Go put him at third base. He's right-handed. You know, he's had some surprisingly good years, too. Like, uh, I didn't realize how good of a career he's actually had. I thought he was always just kind of hanging around on a crappy Mariners team. He's actually had some good years. Yeah, Kyle Seager is completely underrated, in my opinion, because, as you said, he's always been on really bad Mariners teams. So, like, the Mariners have actually had some decent players over the years that no one ever knows about because they're bad and they're on the West Coast and – Seattle is not like a great baseball area. So you, you have, you have people like Kyle Seager who are hidden gems. Yeah. Diamonds in the rough as a Trevor Bauer (laughs) song would go. He was diamond in the rough. Now he's a Cy Young winner and he uh, has a record breaking contract to LA. So I'll do it for episode 20 of the midnight snacks with Kyle Light podcast. Thanks again to Sean Scott for joining the show. I'll link the Twitter down in the description again at the number guru. If you want to check him out doing some good stuff on there as usual, you know, follow Sean on Twitter. It's a good follow promise. I wouldn't lie to you guys. I really wouldn't. So go follow Sean. It'll be linked in the description. Check him out. We've both got the chiefs winning Super Bowl, and we both think that the Dodgers have just an absolute embarrassment of riches now. So good luck beating them. Even though the Padres should put up a good fight, that should be a a good uh, fun time in the NL West this year. Those are going to be hopefully 19 must watch games, but the schedule might change. Who knows? But if it's 19 games, should be 19 really fun ones. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the Super Bowl on Sunday night or whenever this is posted, whatever night, Sunday night. But we'll look forward to that. Thanks again to everyone for tuning in to episode 20. This has been your host, Kyle Lockard. Have a good night, everybody.